How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin Kiergaard, and today I am with Joe Klemzeski and Kevin Bernasini, and we are the Three Difficult Names podcast, and uh, also known as the Flexible Dieting Podcast. So today we're going to talk about a very popular topic, tummy troubles. I hear questions about this every single day, and more so recently, it's kind of, I feel like I'm getting this asked a lot more than I have in the past 12 months. People will approach me and say, hey, I've been dieting uh, or I've been changing my diet and I've noticed over the last 30 days that I'm just having either it's excessive diarrhea or it's the opposite constipation. So obviously there could be some things missing. So I'm going to just jump right into it. I'll start with Joe. Uh, Joe, I know you were saying this is kind of one of your, your preferred topics to talk about. So I'll start with you. What do you do and how do you approach it when a client tells you that they just, they've either had uh, frequent loose stools or they've been backed up? Like what, what do you do? How do you address that? And how do you have that conversation with them? It, it is a big and a very important topic. It's critical to health and it, it, it's very problematic more so now than ever because of all the processed foods and the quote, low carb foods that end up with polyols and alcohol, sugar, alcohol, that kind of thing in it. Uh, people are often looking for those kind of low carb foods and they have filler fiber, very cheap, harsh fiber in place of, of normal starch. And so a lot of people are having massive amounts of, of GI distress. And as you mentioned, constipation being the opposite of diarrhea, they're basically two sides of the same coin and they can be intermittent. You know, one kind of can lead to the other. So you always have to think of I do need a certain amount of fiber. And from your dietetic background, you're always going to say, you know, hey, here are the norms. Here's what the RDA says. And yet genetically, there are some ranges. We all have different gut microbiomes and tolerances and food allergies and so forth. Uh, but you have to have enough fiber. You have to have the right type of fiber. You have to have consistency. You have to have hydration, fat, and the you know, demulcent properties of fat in creating stool is a factor and little known fact, because I don't talk about this often, even though I've written for, you know, popular magazines, I have articles out there. We've done podcast research reviews. I have a very popular research review called the science of a good shit, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I was interested in this topic and did research in graduate school on it because when I was 23, 24 years old, I came down with an acute case of of severe, severe ulcerative colitis, which I've had to deal with now the rest of my life. So I spent about a year, a year running to the bathroom 25 to 30 times a day with, with fecal incontinence diarrhea, where I would just fill up the stool with blood every time I went to the bathroom. I would sometimes have to sleep, you know, curled up in a ball in a recliner because there was so much pain involved. And luckily, you know, there were pharmacological answers that were very, very helpful. But because I did not know how to uh, avoid that and treat it nutritionally, there is now structural damage to my large intestine that I have to deal with. Uh, and, and that's why I'm so adamant about people taking care of their gut health. Uh, it's just that critical. And yet it was something that was completely avoidable if I would have known what to do. And I, I pulled myself out of that with nutrition without any medical help. And then later I was able to find what could be, you know, most useful. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a very big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. 
No, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that that personal experience. I think a lot of people can benefit from from hearing that. And it is. It's it's I I agree. I think in the last few years, this has been a very, very um growing topic because so many people are just having more GI problems. Uh you mentioned it too, with food being just more processed, just different now. Um, people wanting to opt for lower carb things. I think you touched on a great point of the cheap fiber. Um, and and I'll bring that up here in a, in a little bit, but I do see a lot of people like, well, flexible adding, if it's your macros, like I can do that and still hit my fiber, but then where's the fiber coming from? Cause they still want to be able to eat whatever. So it's just, maybe it's a, a fiber bar, like a, like a protein bar that's high in fiber or whatever. So we'll get into that a little bit, but Ke- Kevin, I want to throw this to you as well. When it comes to the like GI symptoms and discomfort, how do you approach this with your your clients? And and also the kind of the part two to that is, do you discuss food quality kind of like Joe was kind of getting to? I'll probably have to jump in with the second part in that the food quality is probably the issue when it comes to symptoms. I don't feel my past clients have been to one extreme, but it's more of dysbiosis of just just odd GI symptoms. So that's either gas, bloat, that's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess a stomach ache, but that's really doesn't seem to be. It, I wouldn't say that's a common thing. It just it usually can be isolated out. But um, I would say it, they're in between when when clients have some consistent GI distress, and it's usually because, as you both have mentioned, the the, G, the fiber fillers that in these lower carb based products, they're just over consuming those on the same same adage of just low carbs, it's maybe there's too many sugar alcohols or polyols within their diet. Granted, that should be causing, if they're overdoing it, you would expect some looseness. But, um, and it's, I'm sure that has happened, but nonetheless, just the GI distress as a result of consuming those type of foods seems to be the culprit um, when you really isolate those things down. And there certainly could be other variables such as stress uh, that could be you know, it had to have to be quite heavy burden of stress for that to cause that type of GI change, but it's still very, it's very real. But just to focus on the just nutrition, that's where I would say those are the two main culprits and their attention's there, especially from a practicality standpoint, they're trying to be lower carb because they are on a lower, lowerish carb plan. And therefore that's just, you know, they're just trying to make ends meet, but I wouldn't say that's necessarily the rite of passage to be taking. So that's where we talk about swapping out these type of foods for actual fibrous carbs that are lower in carb in nature, but, you know, a fuller or just a normal fiber, if you will, um, that they're getting that benefit uh, equally. Nope. I I think that's, I think it's an important conversation to have. I want to continue the the fiber topic. So I'm going to throw it back to Joe. I think it is important to discuss this because I think people don't understand you know, there's different types of fiber, right? We've, we've got kind of insoluble, we've got soluble and, and those slightly, they, they impact our, our, our GI system a little bit differently. So I was wondering, Joe, if you can kind of touch on that for people listening, like why should people pay attention to insoluble, soluble fiber? Why are those different than like your cheap bulk fiber kind of, can you kind of just give some, some explanations on that? Absolutely. So always think in terms of your own self-management of, of structure versus function. The structure is your GI system. And so you have the mucosal lining, the submucosal lining, the dermal lining, the muscular lining, 
and you can you can have inflammation there and that can disrupt how your body absorbs nutrients and how even peristalsis the the movement of food down the intestinal tract occurs so the exact same diet today that you think is perfectly fine you may have problems within a month because your your gi system as as a series of organs are just in a different state so think of that there there are structural components that can change but the functional is what we control and insoluble fiber is like eating hay or straw or sawdust, like, like things that just don't get digested for nutritional value. They just pass through undigested. Obviously, that's very harsh. So think of things like raw lettuce, raw broccoli, those kind of things. If you have a sensitive GI system and you have some level of inflammation, that could create a lot of diarrhea, which can then create a lot of gas because you're you're disrupting the, the bacterial flora. So you really should consider soluble fiber more of your base. You need more fruit. You need more grains that have uh, uh, just a consistent basis of not just starch, but then the, the soluble fiber that creates a better food bolus to go through your intestinal tract. You can form poop better. Uh, and then you have a certain amount of the insoluble because you still need some but if you have if you're in a state where you're you're just not doing well, you're having intermittent diarrhea constipation, don't eat raw broccoli and salads and so forth. Minimize those. Maybe maybe have smaller amounts of cooked versions, but you really have to play around with the amounts in those types of the range from starch to soluble to insoluble fiber. No, that's great. And even towards the end, I love what you said there. It, it's it's really practicing and it kind of experimenting with how your body responds, specifically like the different amounts. Because we, with all of our backgrounds in nutrition, it's easy for us to be like, yep, hit your fiber, get your fruit, get your vegetables. So, you know, some people take that as like the holy grail. Okay, like fruit and vegetables, that's what I need to stay healthy. I'm going to eat lots and lots and lots and lots. Well, too much can cause a problem and too little can cause a problem. So trying to find that that sweet spot. And to your point, Joe, more specifically like soluble fiber, because I've done that experiment myself where I've done just trying to get fiber sources from all vegetables, then all fruit, and then mixed to see how my stomach responds. And I've found that my stomach prefers more of the lower end of the fiber RDA, if you will. And, and I respond much better to fruit. And that makes sense, right? From a soluble standpoint. So I think those are some great things for people to to be aware of. Kevin, I'm going to throw it back to you uh, briefly before we kind of close things out. Uh, what are some other kind of tangible things that you discuss with your clients in terms of any sort of GI distress or discomfort? And 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 the fiber. I know you kind of had something you wanted to add to uh, like like the bulk and fiber and cheap fiber and things like that. I don't know if this is unorthodox, but I do want to ask you Austin uh, table this uh, at the end, but is there a ratio of soluble to insoluble fiber? I'm just curious if there is, I, if there is a, you know, I doubt there's a hard answer for anything medical, but just curious if there is something, cause I, we just know it was fiber as a lump range. And if someone's always getting insoluble versus soluble, et cetera. Yeah. I just, just curious, just as, as a, I will say, yeah. I think, I think in more common foods today, we're seeing more insoluble fiber, right? Uh -huh. Because um, you go to the store and buy a box item and it says two or three grams of fiber or four grams of fiber, you know, not every time do you see in the subcategories if it says soluble or insoluble. So mm -hmm. I, I believe that we're seeing a lot more insoluble fiber. And this is 
theoretical take it for whatever but i feel like that also to joe's point these are the items people are buying right and if they're eating more amounts to hit their macros and targeted goals i think that people are just consuming more insoluble fiber in today's world than they are soluble fiber and that could just be one little potential piece to the puzzle of why we're seeing a lot more common gi distress because we might just be eating too much of it now i will say that doesn't mean insoluble fiber is bad because we like we Americans just take things so extreme, like insoluble fiber is not terrible for you. It, you know, it still can have its benefits, but soluble fiber tends to be a little easier on the stomach and also has benefits. So that's kind of my two cents to that, that point, but I'll throw it back to you before we wrap up. Yeah. Cause you know, soluble is going to be more, uh, is going to create more viscous viscosity for the poop to slightly gently go through. Whereas you're adding bulk with the insoluble. So there's benefits to both. Just of course, there's always, you know, a an appropriation of how much is needed. But nonetheless, to answer, it's very difficult to tease these out because time is what's most important in the sense of you have to have the appropriate uh, time lapse of when symptoms started, when they ended, and what was eaten last or eaten in court in accordance to when the symptoms began and stopped. So it's very difficult to map that out and not to mention just confounding variables that can be in it. You know, there can be grains that have some offending issue, but it's not necessarily, you know, the grain itself, you know, like think of gluten, you know, there can be gluten mimicking properties and other foods, but it's not necessarily gluten as a culprit, for example. So that's where it's very difficult to tease those out. That's beyond my scope in terms of practice, but it's, you know, most important to validate, you know, this is what's going on with the client. I, it's, it is something to take, pay attention to. We need to narrow it down because at the end of the day, if there's some food sensitivity that is causing an issue and it's reproducible, then it needs to be investigated further and possibly rotated out to prevent further issues from occurring. Yeah, that's an important key is there might be an importance to doing a process of elimination if there's a problem and then seeing how the GI system responds to the elimination process and then slowly reintroducing those foods back in um, and figuring out what the triggers were. So that's a that's a great point and a great kind of way to tie this up because, you know, with with tummy problems and tummy issues, that's a lot of stuff that we could cover in would take more than just 15 minutes. So hopefully people got a lot of information in, in this chunk. And I do see us doing potentially a part two and part three to, to this. So stay tuned and we will have more for you in the next uh, podcast and we will see you all later.